0: This is Jeff Kober, and we welcome you to this Disney at Play podcast. We're glad you could join us. Well, it's 1971, and Walt Disney World is set to open. You have thousands of new cast members, most of whom have never seen a Disney theme park. And you need to orient them to that experience. The only problem is that the park isn't open or ready yet either. So how do you give them that understanding? Enter a series of handbooks put out by the University of Walt Disney World. That's what they called it back then. In a series of handbooks, cast members were introduced to the setting in which they would work. There is one for each of the lands of the park plus the resort. In this podcast, we'll look at Main Street. We'll study the story behind the show and look at attractions, dining, retail, entertainment, and guest services. If you yearn for the Walt Disney World of yesteryear, or you just want to know how different Main Street of the past is from Main Street of today, well, this is your podcast as we continue our efforts to celebrate the 150th anniversary of Walt Disney World. You may want to also check out our website, disneyatplay.com, as it will actually um, showcase some of the photos and images and links that we're going to present in today's podcast. So a little bit more context about what we're doing. I was bequeathed by a former opening Walt Disney World cast member, former leader, a series of materials that were left over. And one of them was a set of booklets kind of bound each one set actually i had two sets that were given to me one was a set that was bound completely together another was a set bound individually into the individual handbooks i mean this is in the days of of of, uh, brass braids putting on to bind these things together and in fact actually they were each individually numbered this one was 134. my thinking is they had created something of a library that um, they then dispensed these handbooks. And my guess is she ended up with a, the entire collection because she was playing more of a managerial position. I think most cast members probably only got the handbook for their given area. But um, these handbooks are kind of um, kind of a window into what the park was supposed to be or what it was going to look like. And so thought we would kind of go through this, uh, this handbook together and talk about it. And the, uh, the first part is entitled, The Story Behind the Show. Now they're giving this to you because again, these people have no idea, cast members have no idea what this is supposed to be all about. So they're painting the picture. When you take your role on stage, uh, Main Street USA, you'll be stepping back into the into time to the turn of the century between 1890 and 1910. By the way, I'm just going to stop there. Most people have seen actually the Main Street of Walt Disney World to be a little bit more of 1905 to 1915. Um, 1890 and 1910 has usually been attributed to the main street of Disneyland out in California. But at any rate, it says what it says. You'll be reliving a bit of exciting history. America at the crossroads of change where gas lamps were giving way to electric lights and horse-drawn vehicles were making room for the new-fangled horseless carriage. The stage on which you'll play your part has been designed on the basis of years of research into life as it was way back then. The old-fashioned shops and restaurants are similar architecturally to elegant turn-of-the-century eastern resorts, such as New York's popular Saratoga Springs. In fact, actually, again on my website, I show you an illustration of what the train station in Saratoga Springs actually looked like. I had no idea that it was completely similar to the train station at Walt Disney World. It's, it's fascinating how similar it is um, to both of them together. Um, and so, um, yeah, I mean, I think of Saratoga Springs and I think of the DVC resort near Disney Springs, but no, Saratoga Springs has had its influence on Walt Disney World long before this. Nearby in an old fashioned hotel atmosphere, the Magic Kingdom Hospitality Center will provide a wide range of information services for our guests, and I'll just stop there and say, you know, it, it it's become clear in recent years that where the um, where the Walt Disney Theater is, where you go to do the meet and greet with Mickey and Minnie, that was originally thought to be perhaps a hotel that would actually reside in. Um, in the Magic Kingdom that didn't end up happening, but they keep using this hotel metaphor throughout this uh, description. Our Main Street show has universal appeal. For older guests, there's a temporary nostalgic return to the good old days. Younger people, on the other hand, can get a glimpse of life as it was back at the turn of the century. We forget, for example, that very few of today's young people have ever ridden on a train. Our trains are not kiddie trains. They are genuine steam trains, and it is a genuine experience. Now, in part two, they talk about the stage, backstage, and downstage. And this is why I think that most of these handbooks were um, only given out depending on the land you were working in, because honestly, much of this text is the same in every, in every uh, workbook, in every handbook. But in this case, it's very true to what is actually there. So, as in the case with any Disney movie, Main Street USA incorporates Disney creations in planning, stage properties, paint, staff, and plaster, landscape design, sound effects, and the various displays, which we call dressings. To help you find your way around and direct your guests, you should know about, first, the ground level area. This is the most unique concept of design and construction in Florida, or perhaps of the world, Uh, or I'm sorry, let me rephrase that, or perhaps the world, meaning the entire globe, not Disney World. When designers faced up to the unique topography of Walt Disney World's 27,400 acres, because of the high water table on location, it was decided to raise the stage and use the ground level for essential services, Earth pulled from around the lagoon area was set on the Magic Kingdom theme park site and allowed to settle. This was then tunneled out to create a most unique service system. Here you'll find accounting, main files, the mail room, lock and key control, the photo laboratory, the print shop, refrigeration, food storage, warehousing areas for merchandise, wardrobe, cafeteria, and cash control. This ground level area will be a busy, people-filled operational facility. My first visit to the utilidor was actually to the photo laboratory, and um, it was very squarely about about the area underneath um, the confectionery, about that about that location, and uh, um, I remember that they they if you wanted a photo, you saw the photos in terms of slides, huge slide libraries that you reviewed. And that's how then they would make a copy from the uh, slide. At any rate, at the second level, now this is above Main Street. To use every bit of space effectively, our Disney designers have converted the turn of the century building facades into workable spaces. Behind these facades will be the services of merchandise operations merchandise operations, food service, and entertainment divisions. While over at the bank building and town hall, you'll find the offices for security and marketing. Guests will arrive at the Magic Kingdom in one of three ways, by futuristic monorail, the Osceola steam launch, or covered tram. The Osceola steam launch was before the Staten Island ferries. And what it was, is was a dual paddle, kind of like the Molly Brown in Disneyland Paris, where you had paddles on both sides and it had to arrive and you kind of embarked and disembarked on the side of the vehicle, kind of like you do in the riverboat. It was, it was not like the Staten Island ferries of today. It was inefficient in its design, but it was very cool in its look. After this short journey, they will walk through the histories of yesterday. Here, should they decide to ride, they have their choice of transportation for a leisurely trip down the street. First, horse-drawn streetcars are carefully modeled after those used around 1900 and crafted at MAPO. MAPO is uh, uh, Mary Andrew Poppins' organization, which was the industrial arm of what was Wed, or of WED back then, which was Disney Imagineering. The Clydesdale and Belgian horses, by the way, are specifically trained to work in crowds and have an established work shift of four hours. At the end of their shift, they are st- trucked back to their home, the Tricircle D Ranch, where they're given a shower and are groomed. Actually, that process still occurs today. They, they bring new horses out into the park um, in the middle of the night to actually train them, and they run all the noise down Main Street so they get used to it. Um, the horse-drawn streetcar is a must for atmosphere as well as transportation to Main Street to allow our guests to relive or experience for the first time The sensations of feeling, seeing, hearing, and yes, even smelling. Everything associated with a turn-of-the-century, quote, hay-burning oats-mobile, end of quote. The horseless carriages are... are of a slightly later period when the automobile was gradually replacing the horse as a means of city transportation. These little cars are of web composite design created from the styles of many gas-driven cars of that early period in automobile history and are exclusively manufactured for Walt Disney World at MAPO. The Omnibus is a later chapter of our turn-of-the-century story. Ours are very near replicas of the Fifth Avenue buses, which were the main mode of transportation in New York during this era. Some modifications have been designed into these vehicles to provide greater comfort for our guests. The motorized fire engine is for fun lovers who have always desired to ride a fire engine and clang its bell. Our engine is of the same wet composite design as the horseless carriages. The major modification was in placing seats for the guests where the hoses would be. The Jitney coaches are designed for fun and provide a ride in an old fashioned paddy wagon without being taken off to jail. All motor vehicle driven vehicles at Walt Disney World are powered by non-smog producing natural gas, which was pretty innovative for the time. And by the way, all these vehicles still are existing. They are still there. Um, They don't spend much time out in the parks which is a disappointment, but they are uh, physically there. And, uh, most of them run. I saw the, um, uh, the, uh, uh, the horseless carriage running the other day. And, uh, uh, when I was out there as well as the horse drawn carriage, but again, it doesn't run very long. Next is the Walt Disney World Railroad, an excellent way for guests to orient themselves with various lands in the theme park. Um, with the various lens in the theme park would be to ride the steam trains, which circled the Magic Kingdom Department uh, from the Main Street Railroad Station. These four steam engines were brought from the jungles of Mexico to Florida's Gulf Coast for complete rebuilding. The oldest engine was built in 1902, the youngest in 1928. The locomotives were found by a team of Disney World Scouts and were refurbished by the Tampa Ship Repair and Dry Dock Company. The trains will travel on a one and one-half mile long narrow gauge track three feet wide. The steam will be generated by high-grade diesel fuel instead of crude oil or chunks of wood. Again, fairly innovative at that time, or at least contemporary to that time. Each engine will pull five open-sided excursion carts with a total capacity of 300 guests per train. Eventually, now this, now this, this was so cool. Eventually Frontierland and Tomorrowland will have a railroad station where guests may board for a tour around Magic Kingdom. But whether walking or riding, our guests will have a great show on Main Street. So again, if you followed my podcast, you know that over the last year or so, I've talked about the Tomorrowland train station that used to be on the original, original map for the Magic Kingdom, then was dropped over. When we get to Tomorrowland handbook, it goes into more detail about this. Um, Of course, it was never built, but, well, actually, the correction, it was built because we have images of it being built, but it never opened. They they removed it and moved on to Space Mountain. They can enjoy, um, it goes on to say, they can enjoy the six screens at the Main Street Cinema, each featuring great silent feature classics or test their skills at the Penny Arcade. Section 3. Special entertainment. Amidst all this activity, Main Street will come alive with special shows. The Walt Disney World Band, a versatile 20-piece Sousa-type marching band, will parade up Main Street and through the Magic Kingdom, playing appropriate medleys and presenting outdoor pops concerts. Then it goes into other bands, and you should know that what would happen if Walt Disney World, the band would operate certain hours of the day as a whole, and then they would break into individual parts to do little concerts um, throughout. So uh, the next one is the Town Band, which is a 10 piece group reminiscent of a Sunday afternoon uh, concert at the Town Gazebo. We didn't have a Town Gazebo, but you get the idea. I wonder, there is a gazebo, there is a gazebo um, between between liberty, adjacent to Liberty Square. I wonder if they ever played there. Um, the Keystone Pop Quartet is a quartet a saxophonist, in the costume of the Keystone Cops who will be playing and clowning at various times of the day in and around the shops along the, the street. They, they were there for many years. I haven't seen them in a while but um, again part of the whole group. The Barbershop Quartet, a quartet singing traditional Barbershop songs, typical of America 1900, will perform their routines while strolling Main Street in and out of the various shops. Their routines consist of singing, a simple tap dance, choreographed movements, and riding either their bicycle built for four or their specially recreated antique bikes. And um, of course, they perform uh, still today, haven't seen the bikes in a long time. Refreshment Corner Entertainment. The ragtime sounds of this typical tin pan alley music of America will be heard from a unique piano that is mounted on a special three-wheeled bicycle. This unit, on occasion, will move out onto the street and even join the Main Street parades. Now, I have a picture of this in the GAF Viewmaster Reel. And so I'm familiar with it. It was a big white piano with with big white... Um, wheels, Um, but um, I haven't seen it in years and it's very hard to find a lot of photos of it. Um, I think it was not as easy to move along the street as it is made to sound here. Another one that I haven't seen a lot of pictures of, I'll have to look a little bit further, is the Crystal Palace Trio. This was a Strolling String Trio that would be playing songs of the era as well as guest requests for the pop tunes and Disney classics as they serenade diners at the Crystal Palace restaurant. This was before the Winnie the Pooh um, dining experience. And of course, the Walt Disney characters. Host in our world famous character costumes will perform at various times throughout the day. Some of these costumes have been individually equipped with portable air conditioners that we have developed to make them, make the host most, more comfortable. Um, yes, they tried that. No, it didn't succeed for very long. Um, one of the problems is, is that um, besides it being heavy and or noisy, you also had the issue of water and condensation running. It just, it, was, it wasn't, um, it was not something that was done for very long. Section four, food and the show. I like the title, food and the show. In one way, the people who lived around Main Street USA in 1910 and the people who visit us on Main Street USA at Walt Disney World are the same. We like to eat just as much now as then. Although our food will be the best and our kitchens the most modern, service and decor will be reminiscent of an earlier day. First, the Town Square Cafe. This is where Tony's is now. In the setting of a Victorian hotel, again, we go back to this hotel metaphor, will provide coffee shop service, a combination of the good old days and speedier days of the 70s. Sponsored by Oscar Meyer Foods, this 200-seat restaurant will offer a complete breakfast, lunch, and dinner menu. Something which I wish they'd go back to is a breakfast menu at that, uh, at that restaurant. Um, I think a lot of people liked being able to catch breakfast at the beginning of the day. The Market House, and it seems like it's been a long time since they've done breakfast. I could be wrong, but maybe they were doing it before the pandemic. The Market House, sponsored by Sarah Lee Foods, will provide light snacks featuring Sarah Lee cakes, pies, and pastries far better than great-grandma used to make, plus coffee, tea, and milk. Our guests' appetite will be tantalized by a demonstrator Decorating cakes and pastries. The market will also house a display by the Savannah Sugar Company and will offer mail-order service of Smucker's jams and jelly. So this is what eventually um, became the Starbucks area. I'm humored by the emphasis on cakes, pies and pastries and cake decorating and all this and then it goes on to say plus coffee tea and milk. Now, now the star of that space seems to be, seems to be the coffee. But and uh, and mail order Smucker's jellies, you gotta you gotta love that. The Pla- is I go to Walmart this afternoon to buy some Smucker's uh, preserves. The Plaza Ice Cream Parlor is a true replica of an old-fashioned Victorian ice cream parlor, specializing in a variety of themed fountain treats and sponsor of Borden Dairy Products Incorporated. Our Walt Disney World guests will also find uh, for their luncheon and dinner fancy an exciting array of crepes and salads. Boy, some things come back around again. You know, here we have the creperie in Epcot. Crepes were big things in the 70s. And what really gets me about this ice cream parlor, I did not quite understand how this worked back then. But the two were fairly adjoining. And you could get, um, I mean, now it's divided up. You have the corner ice cream parlor, and then you have the Plaza Restaurant. But it was at one time much more of a shared kind of experience. And I saw that play out when I was at Disneyland Paris. They have the same footprint um, on the street, and it is still done in the what I believe is the way it was originally done. And again, I'll try to post some images from that. I was so surprised to find that little, um, niche. It was, it was not a reservation place like, um, the Plaza Gardens restaurant at Disneyland Paris. You could just walk up and get a seat and, 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 uh, or order your dish and, and you could sit down and eat it. Um, I was so surprised to see it. I, if I had known about it earlier, I would have gone there to, to grab a bite to eat. Um, it was kind of a surprising surprising hidden kind of thing that I didn't realize. Um, the refreshment corner, which is now Casey's, sponsored by the Coca-Cola Bottling Company, still is, will offer our guests Coca-Cola products and hot dogs in the atmosphere of turn of century soda fountain, still is. Here, the guest may choose to take his refreshment out with him, or sit at a table and enjoy the live entertainment. Finally, to cap off our guest gourmet tour of Main Street is the Crystal Palace Restaurant with all indoor seating for 500 guests. Lavish application of, steaming, of gleaming crystal, stained glass, and ornate mirrors will give the guests a true feeling of Victorian elegance. The guests will choose from a tantalizing selection of large, exotic salads. I just I just laugh large exotic salads. a themed entrees and desserts while being entertained by a roving string trio. I miss the days of the Crystal Palace like that. I love Winnie the Pooh, but I do not think they should be a character dining experience. Too noisy, too messy, it's too crazy. Section 5: fun and shopping. Shopping on Main Street will be an exciting experience. Our shops will not merely be stores, but will be a show in their own right. All all research have gone into the architecture and costumes. First, the tobacconist, complete with a wooden Indian on the sidewalk, um, politically incorrect nowadays, will feature rare tobaccos from around the world in addition to our own American varieties. No loss on that one. Nearby is the Chapeau, where themed and character hats are available for children as well as adults. Nearby at the House of Magic are several varieties of toys, games, and magic tricks, featuring a magician demonstrating their mysteries. Yeah, do miss that. Um. By the way, going back to the Chapeau, that has been there forever and a day until the confectionery was rearranged, and that has kind of moved on. Um... It was a big thing to kind of get your hat before you went to the park. And so it, um, particularly a Mickey Mouse hat that um, would be inscribed. And you could still do that at the park, but not there. Across the street, the Uptown Jewelers feature a fine selection of costume jewelry for all ages. At the Main Street Confectionery, which actually was a smaller footprint back then, Uh, Guests may view, much smaller footprint actually, may view candy makers preparing confections that are sold there. The camera center, which did take up the better part of the confectionery space, is sponsored by GAF Films. Not only sells film for most cameras, but their representatives are capable of making minor adjustments on the guest camera. This is a free service. And um, by the way, that's where you buy your GAF Viewmaster Reel. The Shadow Box is a unique silhouette studio where talented artists can cut portrait silhouettes in a matter of minutes. That was an indoor facility. It's now outdoors, um, but it was indoors for a time. In the Crystal Art Shop, guests can witness the art of glass blowing and purchase one of these treasures of a dying art. This shop also features fine crystal, which can be personalized by our glass cutter. It's still there, and actually enlarged. Around the corner, the Disney and Company shop features a large selection of fine Disney character merchandise. On the other side of Center Street is the Wick in Wax shop where our guests can buy decorative candles for their home and watch our demonstrator create some of these fine pieces. This is, this was a 70s thing, making candles that look kind of different shapes and, and, uh, and sizes and um, you know, candles are really big for their aromas now, but not necessarily for their shapes. It's kind of kind of interesting. On the corner of Main and Center Streets is the Cup and Saucer, where one may select fine China giftware, as well as Character China. Character China were those little porcelain characters that are um, um, so easily breakable, but so very cool. Now we sell... purses in that same store, (laughs) as opposed to the uh, $3.50 porcelain pieces. Across the way is Hallmark cards featuring a line of cards, wrappings, and placemats for all occasion. You know, you can never have enough dedicated stores to placemats. Next door is the Harmony Barbershop where a gentleman can get a shave and a haircut in an ornate, old-fashioned atmosphere. You're probably wondering, where did, where is the space for all these? In truth, um, many of these, including, I'll read the next one, New Century Clock Shop, sponsored by Eglin, makers of the Mickey Mouse watches will feature wind-up automatic and electric watches. At a at time, the Emporium was broken up into, into, um, into um, different sections, very similar to what you still see at Disneyland today. And in fact, um, the new Century Clock Shop was there as well at Disneyland for many years. And then they kind of opened up that space and then they took over the space, which is the Harmony Barbershop um, and moved the Harmony Barbershop to the front. And they also took over the space which was the greenhouse, which is this next paragraph I'm reading. Next to the barber's pole is the greenhouse packed full of very authentic looking flowers, fruits, vegetables, and ferns. The guests may buy them in arrangements individually or have our demonstrator disney Eyes an arrangement for them. That has long been gone as that whole area was enclosed and made part of the Emporium, which is our last thing. The Emporium is a mini- department store located on Town Square. It is an exciting experience of ornate craftsmanship combined with a variety of items to buy. Guests will be able to purchase items that our Disney World merchandise designers and buyers have developed. Items such as character merchandise based on Disney movies, hats, books, rainwear, cameras, and a large selection of memento. The only reason I'm laughing is because that's that pretty well describes every Disney gift shop. So... Our final section six is toward guest services. City hall located in the town square area is a reception area for VIP visitors, an area for guests who wish to lodge a formal complaint or compliment or make an exchange or an adjustment on coupons. Complimentary tickets for gold and silver pass holders are issued here. I got to stop here. Another little thing I inherited from them. And I guess I ought to take a picture of this. There was one time sold around the world vacation package. This wasn't 1971. This probably is the latter half of the 1970s. And for an adult price of twenty-eight dollars and fifty cents, you could buy a two-day park pass. And mind you, that was a ticket coupon for the first day and the second day, which also included a ticket coupon attached for transportation, because you, because everything was under rent law. The monorails were under ret law, which is Walter spelled backwards and was part of the Disney family. You had to pay separately to go on the monorail back then in the day. And, but and it was all included in your $28.50, so you're getting a good deal here. So there are two coupons for that. And then you would get the coupon book, which includes six E tickets, four D tickets, two C tickets, two B tickets, two A tickets. So basically, You'd If it, for a two-day pass, you'd enjoy three E's, two D's, one C, one B, one A. Um, then you would have a world cruise to Discovery Island ticket, which would take you on another boat over to Discovery Island, where you could look around that zoological type experience. Then you had another coupon, which gave you a choice between um, going to river country enjoying your time there or going over to the marketplace for a discovery coupon. And I still cannot read what it says there, but included the villager luncheon over at, um, at um, the village marketplace. And again, um, the, the, the Lake Buena Vista. And then finally, I think the most unusual thing about this is that they, you also got a voucher to admit one adult to the Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus World. Now this was located um, on I-4 before, right around 27. There's a big store area there. It became Baseball World later on, but I was totally surprised. I, I think Circus World, trying to get people to come to their place, just said, hey Disney, if they buy this package, uh, include this. And uh, they probably gave the thing way free, hoping they'd make up on per caps once it got in the park. Very interesting. These kinds of things could be exchanged at City Hall. Also available is in the Town Square area for guest convenience are rental strollers and wheelchairs. Single strollers are available for 75 cents a day and wheelchairs, yeah, you're going to pay a dollar a day. The Hospitality House can offer guests travel and Walt Disney World information. The Hospitality House was... Um, what is now the Main Street Theater across the way with the Mickey meet and greet and the hotel space that we talk about. The Magic Kingdom Baby Center offers parents with infants a facility for changing diapers, preparing formulas and feeding babies. A trained qualified attendant is on duty to offer assistance. Surprised they didn't mention first aid in this space because I thought it was always located next to the baby center. Maybe they forgot to include it. But that provides us, this provides us an understanding of what was being presented to Disney cast members, brand new, who had never been in a Disney theme park. And you're going to be working at the um, Borden ice cream parlor, and uh, you wanna know what's what this whole thing is about? That's, you got the Main Street Handbook to tell you. Uh, Hopefully you enjoyed this. Maybe I'll share the other ones, Adventureland, Liberty Square, and so forth. Um, Thank you for joining us for this uh, Disney at Play podcast. I wanted to just uh, celebrate the the 50th anniversary with a look back at day one. This last week, they've had the... uh, Um, these previews of a new opening to Enchantment which features Walt Disney and recognizes he and Roy's contribution to the building of Walt Disney World. Um, I think maybe the company's coming around to the fact that they didn't do enough of a job to really celebrate the 50th and the heritage of this park because it is an amazing institution. That does it for this podcast. Stay tuned. Um, I did upwards to three podcasts a week back in the middle of the pandemic. Things got a little busier. I'm trying to. So I kind of slowed down to one at best. And now I'm trying to get back up to two. We'll see how we're going. I'm going to try to get the next podcast available by Tuesday morning. I'm going to try to get work for Tuesday mornings and Friday mornings. Hopefully you'll see that happen. Stay tuned. We're going to do our very best. And uh, meanwhile, check out our Disney at site. And also check out our Wayfinder Sci- Society page listed there. That is our uh, Patreon group. Uh, join up. We have unique uh, podcasts and other kinds of uh, um, interactive adventures that are available to you on that. So check that out. And again, finally, in the words of Sinbad's Storybook Voyage, always follow the compass of your heart. Have a great day. We'll see you real soon.